welcome back to Whiteout Weekly on our first glorious victory week as the Nittany Lions take care of business 38-15 against the Mountaineers. They even covered the spread and the total went over on that late Bo Pribula touchdown run, which lost my underbet on the Big Ted Bank Bonanza, but who really cares about that? Only was, six seconds to spare. Six seconds to spare. And you were at the game. So how was that? Wild environment, as we stated. Sneaky, sneaky whiteout. Uh, you could barely notice the, the helmet stripe there. But uh, raucous crowd. Uh, only feedback I have after. I know I typically go to a game a year. But a uh, lot of renovation talks with Beaver Stadium. That sound system definitely needs an upgrade. Sounds like... Uh, you know, when someone's blasting music too loud in their car, uh, yeah, yeah, and the bass is just way too heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty similar, but uh, overall, uh, yeah, that crowd was ready to roll. I think it was fourth largest crowd, Beaver Stadium history, hundred ten thousand and some change. So, it, we were uh, crowd was ready to go from the jump. So I'm definitely not mad at Pirbula for scoring his first collegiate touchdown, but I'm sure. The Michigan coach had something to say about it. Yeah, Neil Brown, uh, I believe, Michigan, was post. Did I say Michigan coach? West Virginia. I knew what you meant. West Virginia coach. <laughs> yeah, Neil Brown, uh, who obviously now off off to a not a good start, zero and one when he was already heading into the season in hot water. Uh, had some comments about Franklin's decision to continue to keep the foot on the gas there towards the end of the game. Uh, Brown basically said that if he was in that spot, he would have handled a little differently. Um, but ultimately that he's not worried about it. That's, that's karma. That'll come back around. Uh, Franklin, of course he would have handled differently. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, he wishes he was in that position. Yeah. Uh, but Franklin responded today. I think he responded pretty well, but he basically said that his job is in that situation to get the twos or second stringers into the game, especially when West Virginia still had the majority of their ones in, and to get them meaningful reps uh, and to allow them to have an ability to execute and run the offense when he was speaking of Bo. Uh, And he said West Virginia was running, which they were, uh, a ton of cover zero in that last possession, uh, which is hard to run against. Uh, so we gave him an opportunity to kind of check and make some reads that would work against that cover zero offense. And basically Franklin ended with, he's all for uh, what, what they did. And I have to say that I agree with him, um, especially when West Virginia does that snow globe bullshit towards the end of the game uh, mm-hmm. for that two point conversion. You got to expect that that's going to leave a, a poor taste uh, in your opponent's mouth and they're going to want to jam it right back down your throat. So uh, that seems to be where it was left at. Ultimately, we came out on top. So Neil Brown's comments uh, don't really hold much sustenance. But yeah, uh, don't care. Two the two quote uh, two coaches kind of squabbled and would consider it to be squashed. I think at this point. Yeah, I mean it, it's a good call on Franklin's part. They're still playing their ones. You got your twos going basically against a mid level collegiate team that those are meaningful reps late in that game so yeah i mean who cares about your feelings the uh other thing i saw that caught my eye 
Daquan Hardy, Amin Vanover, Kazai Izzard, and Amari Evans were all absent in week one. And during the broadcast, they said Franklin hasn't ruled Hardy or Izzard out for the season, which scared me. Yeah, this was really found out pregame. Uh, I believe the Big Ten has some new rules in place where teams have to provide their availability chart or availability uh, list. Um, so basically players who won't be suiting up or won't be participating in the action. Uh, I believe it's 30 minutes to kick off. So the Amari Evans and Daquan Hardy one definitely caught a lot of folks. I know it caught me uh, by surprise yeah. uh, being in the stands, to be honest. I didn't Wait, I didn't 30 notice. minutes? They, that's when they give the injured list? I believe it's 30 minutes to kick off. They have to release to the media uh, who's available and who's not. That's insane. Yeah. That, like that means that you have to wait 30 minutes to bet a game now, essentially. Perhaps. Yeah. If someone's, if someone's like hampered or, and they're questionable and you don't know if they're mm-hmm. going to up. Yeah. What the? the third, that's, that's whack. But, uh, but yeah. Uh, I think the biggest biggest one there, obviously, Omari Evans, who we talked about uh, in our first pod about him potentially stepping up in the bigger role this year. But Hardy, uh, he was definitely missed, but I think it created a nice opportunity for Cam Miller, uh, yes. who I believe showed out uh, in a big way this game. And also uh, Johnny Dixon, in some instances, was able to slide over uh, from his number two corner spot into the slot. Um, it allowed them to push Cam and some other guys out to the side. So I think you learned a lot with Dixon where he's got that versatility to play as a number two shutdown corner, but also inside um, and just allow some other guys to get a lot of playing time. And then also in the wide receiver spot with Evans out, uh, they were able to continue to spread the ball around to some uh, some guys that we didn't expect to see to get that much action. Um, so I think overall, yeah, Malik that, was, McClain, that was great uh, to, to name one. Yeah. That was great to see him because the transfer from Florida State just getting right into the action. So, Cam Miller targeted four times, only gave up three receptions for 28 yards. Long of 17. So, 17 of those 28 came in one pass. That's pretty freaking good. So we'll move on to the big story. We, according to all the different blogs, we now have Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. So that's pretty awesome. Two-time Super Bowl MVP playing quarterback for us. (laughs) Not too bad. (laughs) But uh, in all seriousness, Drew Aller exceeded every expectation I think people had of him. And that's now, that's now becoming the standard for these recruits. We saw it last year with Abdul Carter, Keytron Allen, Nick Singleton. Saw glimpses of what Aller could do, but we didn't see that pocket presence, accuracy, and arm strength on full display for a full game. And it was beautiful to watch. Yeah, I think you just you just have a different out element at the quarterback spot with him back there. I mean, <laughs> hard to ask for much more from a kid in his first career start, uh, especially I know it's at home, but in that type of environment. Um, but through for 300 plus three touchdowns, 
just had a poise about him in that pocket, just cool, calm, collected, but also yeah, uh, showing off that arm strength. I mean, even right out the gate with those screen passes, his ability to get it out there quickly to extend the field and get the speed uh, out wide was huge. And then just to put his stat line in perspective from what we've been accustomed to the last several years is Sean Clifford only threw for 300 plus yards and three touchdowns only once. And that was against Maryland in 2021. And I believe about 240 of those yards were to Jahan Dotson. So for him to put up that type of stat line in his first start and to spread the ball around to nine different targets just shows, uh, you know, his, his big time ability. And he's just got that arm strength, his ability to step up in the spot, in the pocket, extend plays and still get the ball to where it needs to be. is just something that this team hasn't had. Uh, and it's really, really exciting uh, that this is only the beginning of the Drew Aller era. And it, uh, it's going to be a fun, it's going to be a fun ride. That's what I was going to say. Um, his pocket presence, like, Mm-hmm. he's not just like scrambling out of the pocket and making throws in the run, just like running straight right, straight left. He's like agile in the pocket, stepping up, creating lanes for himself to create those throws and those throwing lanes to his receivers, which is, I mean, just far and beyond what a sophomore should be, should be capable of. And I think I only counted two or three times where, and I love this sophomore quarterback, where he gets in the shotgun, checks the defense, and if he sees a check or an audible that's going to work, goes up to the line, tells everybody, tells the running backs, gets the wide receivers on the same page. And it worked to a success rate. I think we only missed – we didn't have a positive play on like two or three of those. So that IQ was – and the play was just awesome to see. Can't wait for it to keep going. He won the uh, Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week in his first collegiate start. So sky's the limit for this kid. Uh, last thing I'll say about this game is J.B. Nelson going in late for the sadly retired Landon Tangwell. Gave up some pressures, but overall he was tremendous in the run game. Yeah, uh, definitely was a huge presence out there. Um, obviously sad to not have Tang Wall suiting up there, but I think he filled in very, very nicely. Um, and then the last couple notes that I have on this game as well, just to kind of wrap up is tight ends weren't involved at all in this game. So going back to Aller's yeah. ability to spread the ball around, the fact that only one target or sorry one catch uh one completion went to the tight ends it was tyler warren very early on for nine yards yeah uh, theo johnson was he was just blocking yeah yeah provided uh a lot of great blocking uh khalil dinkins i think uh threw a big block on that t formation touchdown run from singleton so uh that they, they were non-existent on the stat sheet um but they provided a lot of great blocks out there uh on a lot of those plays um, and then the other note I had was just from a snap count perspective. So at the safety position, which you, we talked about as a big time position battle, Jalen Reed and KJ Winston ended up getting the starting nods, but the snap counts 
uh, were dispersed pretty evenly. Reed got the was the bell cow of 46 snaps. Keaton Ellis with 36, Winston with 35, and Zaki Wheatley, who had a very sneaky good game, uh, played 34 snaps. So continue to see a lot of those guys, or expect to see a lot of those guys continue to filter in. So the starting nod with Reed and Winston getting the starting nod didn't truly equal out from a snap count. Those guys still got a ton of time. So be interested to see uh, a lot more from those guys against a more for, uh, a weaker opponent in Delaware. For sure. Before we get to the Delaware preview, let's go around the trenches, a.k.a. around the Big Ten. Trenches on three! One, two, three! Got regular gas! We run diesel premium only! The hot, hot. Voice cracked on the snap. Personal file. 69. Offense. He was giving them the business. We'll start at the top. Michigan handled their business. J.J. McCarthy was PFF's fifth highest graded offensive quarterback in all of college football against Eastern Carolina. They have a truly dangerous offense with that duo of Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, who's a weapon of the passing game. And then they have seniors at wide receiver, Roman Wilson and Cornelius Johnson. So they're a scary, scary team. Um, Ohio State, despite their freshman quarterback, they just have too many weapons, even though Marvin Harrison looked shook up. I think he injured his shoulder and had to exit, but came back, looked like he was in serious pain, but then their tight end, Kate Stover, just kind of took over. Absolute matchup nightmare. The one thing I did notice, though, they're also very strong on defense. Mm-hmm. Probably the strongest front four in the Big Ten. They rarely blitz because they can just rely on those four to create pressure. The one thing I did notice, though, weak O-line. McCord was getting pressured a ton, so that could be something to exploit. When we play them... Maryland wins Talia in true in true uh, Tagovailoa family fashion. Looked hurt. He was like kind of shaking his throwing hand all game, but was just on fire the entire game. Three touchdowns, no interceptions. And this might be my favorite game around the trenches. The Purdue bad beat against Fresno. Did you see that game or see the highlights or anything? So Purdue is – Purdue's down. 32 – I think it was 32-20. They're down down a touchdown, I think. Mm -hmm. Or maybe six points. Fresno State has the ball. They throw an interception – Purdue gets it, scores in two plays, and now they're up. Fresno State gets it back with like four minutes, a little over four minutes, and score a touchdown on like a seven-play, 79-yard drive. Leave Purdue 59 seconds, and they turn it over on downs. So they end up losing to Fresno State. That spread was Purdue minus two and a half, and I was looking at Fresno State. 
as a potential pick. Bad Last two. In the Ryan Walters era. <laughs> Dude, brutal. Are you kidding? <laughs> one, of the, one of the worst beats of all time. Because they were up pretty much all game. Yeah. Last two. Wisconsin handled their business. They went against what we thought they were going to do with their new quarterback, Tanner Mordecai. He actually threw two interceptions. But they went with the ground and pound and absolutely gashed in week one. So their Wisconsin's running game is going to be a problem. And last but not least, Iowa beats Utah State, who was missing their best defender, their nose tackle, the heart and soul of their defense. So, I mean, barely a win. They won 24-14. Doesn't even matter. And then we have Penn State's humongous win before big, bad Delaware comes down, which I've been looking online, and I can't find a spread anywhere, Dave. Yeah, it seems to be not. I would, I would take minus 50. Yeah, I was going to say 50, 55, somewhere in that ballpark. I think the Penn State could probably cover the over by themselves. <laughs> so I know their head coach, Ryan Carty, former Blue Hen quarterback, is now entering his second season. They lost their star quarterback, Nolan Henderson, to graduation. But I don't know too much about this team. <laughs> I mean, I looked at their week one uh, opponent. They won 37-13 on the road against the Stony Brook Seawolves. Seawolves. Sounds like a minor league baseball team. Wait, is that? I need to look this up. Is that a made-up thing? Sounds like they're a double-A affiliate of someone. Yeah, it really does sound like. Oh, they're real. The Vancouver Island Wolf, also known as the Coastal Wolf or Sea Wolf, is a subspecies of gray wolf endemic to the Pacific Northwest. Isn't Stony Brook in New York? I believe so. Why is the Vancouver? They're up in the Pacific North. Whatever. But Sea Wolf, that's a thing. All right. Learn something on this podcast. But in the that game, against... geographic coming at you. <laughs> Again, that game against the Sea Wolves. Uh, <clears throat> the running back, Marcus Yarns, ran for two touchdowns. 107 yards on 11 carries. That's 9.7 yards per touch. Their quarterback, Ryan O'Connor, the newly minted quarterback, had a touchdown, but also threw two interceptions and had eight different players catch two or more passes from him. That's about all I got besides... A little bit on some mismatches, but anybody that we should be looking at as impact players for Delaware. I think really uh, just comes from the wide receiver spot. Uh, they got a couple guys who had some nice games last week. Again, got to take the competition into consideration. But with that being said, you got Chandler Harvin, 
six two target, one hundred ninety five pounds, uh, and both these guys, mind you, are transfers, so transferred into the program, uh, likely for just a spot at some more playing time. But Chandler uh, transferred from Sam Houston State, uh, four catches, one hundred twenty eight yards, three touchdowns uh, against St. Francis last year. So he proved that he can produce five catches for 100 yards last week. And then Kim Wimberly, who's a Harvard transfer, second team all Ivy last season, five passes for or five catches for 81 yards and a touchdown last week against the mighty Seawolves. Really look for them to uh, use the screen passes a lot this week would be my best hunch. And based on Franklin's press conference uh, today, that's what he would expect as well to get the ball out into space to these guys. And then anytime they get an FCS versus FBS matchup, I would expect to see some funkiness um, in regards to different formations. I know Penn State gonna, teams do it because yeah. we utilize the T formation, but just doing some different things uh, early on to kind of mix it up and keep this defense uh, guessing. So that would be kind of my best estimate on how they're going to approach this. Uh, but ultimately, from a sheer talent level, it's just no comparison, uh, obviously, between the two schools. Over, under, one and a half trick plays from Delaware before I, I give take the Seawolf fact. <laughs> I would take the over on that. Yeah, same with me. I should have made it two and a half. <laughs> so they're... They have a semi-aquatic lifestyle, which includes a diet that is almost entirely marine-based. So mm. They're pescatarian. Weigh 65 to 90 pounds, 4 to 5 feet from nose to tail tip. Seawolves, pretty cool. That, might, huh. that just rose up my favorite animal rankings. Yeah, some fun facts to take to your next family barbecue. So the mismatch I'm looking for is in the trenches. O-line versus D-line. That should just be a complete weight mismatch. Stony broke even gashed them for 164 yards on the ground last week. 5.5 yards per attempt. I think Nick Singleton and Katron Allen both might come close to 100-yard games. Mm-hmm. And then lastly is, again, in the trenches, but more specifically on the edges, their their left tackle, Blaze Sparks, and their right tackle, Fenton Bros. Some great names there. (laughs) Eddie Lacks names for tackles. Against Chop and Adisa. So uh, Fenton Bros., that is such a lacrosse name as Adam yeah. Cole. Is 6'2", 304 pounds, senior. Last week, he allowed three pressures on 52 pass blocking snaps. While, again, another incredible lacrosse name, Blaze Sparks. He's 6'7", 322 pounds, transferred from Illinois in 2021. He let up two sacks against Stony Brook last week. So I did notice last week that Adisa and Chop didn't get as involved uh, in the QB pressure game. And it part of it on the plays I saw was the center pulling over one-on-one block and one of our defensive tackles. 
and then the guard and tackle pulling over and doubling either Chopper or Diza. So I think Delaware might employ the same blocking scheme given those across tackles. But I think we get over five sacks this game either way. Yeah, I think I think last week Garrett Green surprisingly I know we labeled him or kind of talked through where he's a dual threat he did provide a lot of shiftiness in the pocket and he did, uh, there was yeah, some he, some he, missed opportunities he ended up I think he I believe he ended up with a, about 70 75 rushing yards uh so he provided or proved to be uh difficult to bring down I think this will be a different story this week so yeah I think I expect a lot of these guys that you mentioned chop Adisa I throw a duel in there I expect a lot of them or at least each of them getting one, uh, getting home uh, this week and finishing the job. And speaking of Abdul, I love the uh, Zaki Wheatley's, I think his dad's response mm-hmm. to our tweet. He's like, everyone, all the casuals saying he had a bad game because of a few missed mm-hmm. tackles. Like he, he had a huge impact on that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had a few missed tackles, but that's going to happen. Every yeah. great linebacker has the tackles. It's what you do to affect the game that makes you great. And he had a great game. Mm-hmm. Speaking of not so great, we went 0-6 in the Big Ten betting bonanza. Oh, brother, this guy stinks! We've won, you know. We're getting our feel for these teams. But wow, what a fucking dud. <laughs> oh, and six. And then I had oh. my Sunday Northwestern money line. I'm just like, this, I'm just going to, I bet Rutgers. So I was like, dude, this is going to lose. Like, we're just <laughs> off. But that just means a rebound has to go back to the mean in this week's edition of the greatest betting competition on planet Earth, the Big Ten betting. Bonanza. Week two of the Big Ten betting Bonanza. And before we start, just going over the rules. If you hit a spread game it's plus one you can't take any money line favorites if you hit an underdog that's plus three and if you hit an underdog that is six and a half six and a half points or more you get plus five and any double digit underdog is going to be a plus seven so like a plus four you know 350 to 500 type range Long bomb. And also, I have to mention, so right before the Colorado game, I threw 150 bucks on them money line and then $5 on Travis Travis Hunter to win the Heisman. $5 to win (laughs) $1,500. Check it today. He went from plus 30,000. I got him at plus 30,000. He's now plus 3,000. So if I, get, if I can turn five into 1,500, 
that might have to count towards this. <laughs> be like an absolute genius. I don't think that's in the bylaws. Yeah, yeah, it's not not in the Big Ten bylaws. Um, but I mean, I'm gonna let you go first because both of us suck. So let's see who's who's gonna make the first losing pick this week. Yeah, uh, I wish I could say that we're just starting in week two here. I uh, want to forget last week. But uh, with that being said, with no, Travis no, no. Hunter. All right, all right. I'll, I'll take the 0-3 start. I'll, I'll roll with it. <laughs> with that being said, uh, I am all on the Dion hype train. So we got Nebraska at Colorado. Over under 59 and a half in this game. Uh, but more interesting, the line, we got Nebraska. This line has moved a ton since it opened. I believe it opened at Nebraska minus two and a half. It's now at Colorado minus three. Uh, I am going to go open at Nebraska favored. Nebraska favored in this one. At Colorado. Going to at Colorado. Colorado. And since shifted. Uh, I'm going to jump on it before it shifts a little bit more. I'm going to go ahead and take the buffs minus three. At I knew you're, against the I knew you're gonna, that was going to be my pick, but now I'm, now I'm a little worried about that. I think if you learned from last week, it's. I mean, any, any time it crosses over zero, it's never a good sign. I am also going to go with a non-conference team to come in and smack one of our weaker opponents. I'm going with Kansas minus three on Friday night at home against Illinois. I like it. I'm just going off of what I saw last week and flipping through. Saw a couple series from Illinois. Not impressed. Haven't seen Kansas play, so let's roll the dice. All right. I wish we had this Penn State freaking spread. I know. I'm interested to see what it is, too. All right. I am going to go... Speaking of a rough start to the Ryan Walters era, uh, Purdue is headed to Blacksburg to take on the Mighty Hokies. You mother... That's... uh... I don't believe that after Purdue... I, after I just explained their their bad beat the the entire scenario they're going to take the pick from me. I don't believe they're going to start off zero and two. I am going with the Boilermakers to with the underdog money line. They're plus three in Blacksburg. Give me the Boilermakers. Boiler up. Yeah. Am I just stealing your picks all year this year? Wait, wait. You're going Boilermakers there? I'm going Boilermakers. Oh. Money line. Money line, baby. What what is the money line? Uh plus one twenty-two. They are three point underdogs. Plus one two two. Guess what? I'm taking Virginia Tech minus three. Oh, duel. Let's go. <laughs> I totally oh my god. I thought you were gonna go all day there. Nah. That was uh, your whole speech. It felt like it was leading up to a, a Purdue. Yeah, no. Yeah, I um, reason I'm picking Purdue. 
they yeah they were winning all game but their defense is very suspect mm. they have a decent quarterback little inaccurate um pretty much one main wide receiver in Deion Burks so mm. i can see a team like Virginia Tech stepping up and taking them down at it's where is it where is it at Virginia Tech or at Virginia Tech yeah yeah I'll take them at home minus three all day last pick all right last one I'm they didn't fare me well last week but I'm going back to the well with Michigan Wolverines gonna steer clear of a total this week no deep Uh, but I'm gonna go with the big line here I got Michigan at home Game two without Harbaugh. Uh, they're going against the UNLV Rebels. Uh, got Michigan minus 36 and a half. Big favorites in this one, but I think they cover. I got minus 36. So. 36, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. So you can push that possibly. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do three straight out-of-conference teams to be down on the Big Ten this year. And guess what? It's against my least favorite Big Ten team, Iowa. Iowa Iowa State. Iowa State is plus four at home. Let me see what the money line is. Plus four is pretty good because that could turn into a Battle for the Cyhawks. Let's say let's say plus. I'm not, yeah, let's say plus four. Let's let's get points on the board. So my last pick will be Iowa State plus four. So to recap, Dave Colorado minus three and a half. Purdue money line plus one twenty two. So that's a shot at a a plus three, right? Mm-hmm. And then Michigan, going back to Michigan, minus 36. (laughs) My picks, Kansas, minus three against Illinois. Virginia Tech, minus three against Purdue. Iowa State, plus four against Iowa. So I'm picking a down week for some Big Ten teams in week two. And that will do it for week two of our podcast. Thank you guys so much. Once again, for listening, subscribing on YouTube, following us on social media. We absolutely love to do what we do, and we're going to keep it going till the wheels fall off. And it's looking like it's going to be an electric, electric season. Cannot wait. I was watching Kick and Screaming Beyonce song. Feel the electricity in the air. That's how I feel right now. But once again, thank you so much. This is Matt Martellucci signing off from Whiteout Weekly. Thanks, guys.